line, there's one line in there that said something about my sin is great, but the cross is greater. Uh, I was like, man, that is, that is the truth. And I'm thankful uh, for everything uh, that I have through the grace of God. We're going to turn to the book of Numbers this morning. It's probably even that part of your Bible that's real fresh. You don't go to very often. The book of Numbers chapter 13 is where we're going to start. The book of Numbers chapter 13. We're going to go through a lot of uh, verses. So you're going to have to kind of uh, follow along quickly because I'm going to read quickly. Uh, I heard a story. The question, they said, why did the cannibal go to the Bible study? He heard there was going to be finger foods. Made me think about that when y'all talk about finger foods this morning. Uh, hopefully no, none of those people show up. This Bible study is a little different. Uh, let's pray. Uh, we're going to open in prayer. I like to do that to calm my... I still get nervous, uh, especially when Pastor Joe's here. I don't know why. I, just, uh, I don't know what it is. just different when he's here. Uh, so let's pray. Uh, we're going to start in Numbers chapter 13. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for everything you've given us and all that you've done for us. I pray that you'll... Uh, be with us this morning. Be with all these prayer requests that were mentioned. Uh, a lot of people who are struggling uh, health-wise, a lot of people who need your uh, guidance and your presence. They need your joy and your peace, Lord. And I pray that you'll be with them. I pray be with us this morning as we open your word. pray that you'll uh, help me to speak where I need to speak and be silent where I need to be silent, Lord. And I pray that you'll uh, use your word to be a blessing uh, to us this morning. Help us to grow in your grace. Help us to serve you and do your will. Give us all the wisdom to know what's right and the strength to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Numbers chapter 13 is where we're starting at. I'm going to read a lot of verses. I'm going to skip around some. So you'll have to kind of follow along. Uh, in this story, uh, the Jews, the Israelites, have come out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, and they have come to the Promised Land. Okay, that's where we're at in Numbers chapter 13. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall rule ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were the heads of the children of Israel. And I'm going to skip down to verse 17 here in a second, but I want you to understand what's going on. God told Moses, said, listen, pick the leader from each of the 12 tribes. So 12. Uh, maybe on Sunday school you sang that song, 12 spies went into Canaan, 10 were bad and 2 were good. Maybe, I don't know, we used to sing that uh, back in the day as kids. Um, but he sends uh, 12 spies into the promised land. Uh, in verse 17 is where we're going to pick up. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether it be tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean. See, I like when it talks about fat, it always talks about it's a good thing. When the Bible talks about the land being fat, so I take that as a compliment, even though it's probably not what meant for me. That's all right. Whether there be wood therein or not. And be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. 
So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob, as men came to Hamath, and they ascended by the south and came into Hebron, where Ahiman and Shishai and Talmai, the son of Anak, were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt, and they came into the brook of Eskol and cut down from thence a branch which one with one cluster of grapes, and they bear it between two upon a staff, and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. The place was called the brook of Eskol because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching of the land after forty days, and they went and came unto Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel and to the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came into the land, whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched to the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is the land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. So the spies went into promised land. They spent 40 days checking it out. They saw fields that were full. They saw vineyards that grapes had just ripened and the grapes were so full. The clusters were so big that when they cut a vine with one cluster of grapes they had to tie it to a pole and had to be carried by two men. As expensive as grapes are, it'd be an expensive grape cluster. All right, I have children that love grapes and they're expensive. Big old grapes. They said the land was full of milk and honey, just like God had promised. This is it. And then they say, but. There's always a but, right? They say sheep bad, but goats butt, right? But, here's the problem, y'all. The land is rough. It's tough, man. It's, there's mountains and, and the, the cities. There's, there's walls all on the cities. And, man, I don't, some big walls. I don't know what we're going to do about them walls and Listen, these guys are like giants. These, these are big dudes. We can't beat them. We're in trouble. We got problems. This is an issue. But in verse 30, I love verse 30, they tell all these things. And Caleb steered the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. He says, Hey, no reason to stand around talking about it. Let's get it done. Let's do it. Let's go. That's Caleb. Caleb's like, Let's go. Let's do it. Right? There ain't no reason standing around talking. It's got to be done. Right? We, whenever the, the Sutherlands were moving, right? I said, listen, y- y'all quit standing around. Let's go. It's, get this, it, it's, got, it's all got to go in the truck. No, no need to discuss about what's going. Let's just get it. Let's go, right? That's Caleb. Caleb's ready to go. He's ready to get it done. But what happens? Another reaction. I said, are you nuts? Have you lost your mind? That's what their reaction is. Are you crazy? We can't go up against those people. They're stronger than we are. Verse 31. And they brought up an evil report of the land. And they tried to talk the people out. And said, listen, the truth is, y'all really don't want to go there. That's that's, 
That's what's going on. The spies are saying, they're saying, listen, I'm not, I, I don't want to do it, so I'm going to convince these people they don't want to do it. So what happened to the spies? We're going to talk about a couple things. We're going to get into the spies. We're going to get into the people. First of all, the spies failed because they focused on the complications. The spies failed because they focused on the complications. Caleb and Joshua saw opportunity. They saw the grapes. They saw the land flowing with milk and honey. They saw these, they saw these cities with walls, and they said, oh, man, it's going to be awesome when God gives us that city. They saw these giants and said, man, it's going to be awesome when God knocks them down. They saw, they saw the good, but the other ten, they saw the problems. They came and they saw this, the cities with walls. They said, mm-mm, that's too much work. I ain't doing that. Mm-mm, that's going to be hard. You know, I, you know, going through the wilderness was hard enough. I mean, we, we did some complaining just going through the wilderness. Can you imagine us having to do, deal with that? What are we going to do against that wall? These guys are stronger than we are. See, the problem is they weren't about what they could do. They weren't thinking about what God could do. They looked at the problems. Let me go ahead and tell you. In this world, today we have too many Christians focusing on their problems. And what kills me. Listen, uh, I've said this to the teens. I don't know if I've said it in here, so don't be mad at me, okay? You are not persecuted because somebody says happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. That's not persecution. It's not, okay? That, now, that might, be, you might, might bum you out and say, I wish they'd say Merry Christmas instead of Happy Holidays because we understand Christ and Christmas. That is not persecution. Getting put in Facebook jail is not persecution. It's not. It's, that's not difficulties. We think, well, Lord, I've got, you know, I've got this big old house and i got this boat and i got these cars and I can barely make the payments. It's rough on me. Seriously? That's real rough. I, 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 I hate for you that you can barely make your payment on your $300,000 house and your $80,000 vehicles. That's so rough that you have to work so hard to make your payments. It's so hard. We're all just oppressed. You ever have children? I've, you know, I've got children, and they act like, you know, you tell them to clean their room. <sighs> you know, like, like, really? That's, let's pull up videos of little kids, you know, over in Africa, you know, catching snakes to eat, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> uh, they act like they're just so oppressed because I, I wanted the iPhone 12, and you got me the iPhone 11. That's like, gosh, two, there'll be a 13 before next year, and I'll have the 11. And we act like we're just so oppressed we are just so, we have so many problems and that's all they ever focus on too many christians spend their days looking at the problems of this world and never open their bibles to see the promises of god let me go ahead and tell you the promises of god are bigger than the problems of this world it just is and when we spend all our time focusing on the problems, these spies, they looked at the difficulties, and that's all they focused on. We got coronavirus right now. Pastor Joe, it makes me laugh sometimes. I'm, I think differently. Everybody wants to get, go to heaven, but nobody's in a hurry to get there. You ever notice that? I mean, that's just, that's just the way it is. Well, bless God, I can't wait to go to heaven, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to live in fear. What, what, why? That. Listen, if, if, if I die, I'll be, I'll be sad because I'll leave my wife and my children. They depend on me. But if I die, I'll go to heaven. That's, 
That's not a problem. And these Israelites, these spies, they're the problem. They say, listen, if you'll just go and you'll do what you need to do, you'll get to be in the promised land. You've been in the wilderness for months. Which, by the way, in case you don't know this, it didn't take 40 years to get to the promised land. They got there in a couple of months, and we'll see what messed them up for 40 years here in just a minute. But it didn't take them 40 years to get to the promised land. Because here they are, not long after they've left Egypt, and they sent the spies in. We're going to look at a couple of verses before we move on to the next point. First Peter, First Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Keep your spot because we're coming back. Don't lose it. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12. He says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resist, resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters, which I think it's interesting uh, that they say murderer, thief, evildoer, and busybodies, just as bad as those are. Some, we, like to, we like to scale our sins. Well, I'm not a murderer. I'm not a thief. I'm not a... Listen, there's plenty of times where God puts a disobedient parent in there with murderers and witchcrafts and all that. Uh, but we sin against God. He says, verse 16, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Listen, uh, these preachers who stand up and say, If you'll have enough faith, you'll be healed of all your sicknesses. If you have enough faith, you'll never have to worry about paying your bills. If you'll, listen, those are lies. The Bible says... You're going to suffer. Life is hard. And we, we as Americans say life is hard. Come on. Life's not hard for us. Now, we have some problems, you know, but I would guess most everybody in here had a full belly when they went to bed last night. They got up and decided whether or not they wanted to eat breakfast. And you'll either go out for lunch or you'll have food at the house and you'll sit in the air conditioner and if the AC goes out, you will call the AC man and you will pay weekend hours for him to come fix that AC. We say we have problems, but they're nothing compared to what so many people suffer. But he said you will have problems. And if you suffer for doing right, don't be ashamed. Because there will be times this world does not accept the truth. You try to do something for God, there will always be naysayers. Always. You see it over and over and over in the Bible where somebody tried to do something for God, naysayers. Wet blankets, right? They want to put it out. They're not interested in it. They're not interested in you. If they see you serving God, it'll make them feel bad because they're not. Or something might have to change. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a bad word. Galatians chapter 6. 7 through 10, more verses that we should be familiar with. Galatians 6, 7 through 10, he says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he soweth to his flesh, shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit, shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, 
especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Don't focus on the problems. Because God has promised, if you're not weary in well-doing, if you continue to sow goodness, righteousness, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, if you continue to sow those things, you'll reap those things. We talked about, uh, in my Sunday school class, we talked about God's blessings. God doesn't bless us with worldly means. See, a lot of people say, well, if you'll send money to my, you send $100 to my ministry, you'll get a $200 check. God doubles what you give. He always does. That's, that's, not, that's not how it works. You understand that? Because God doesn't bless us with worldly means. When we give ourselves our time to God, when we give uh, our money to God, when we give uh, our hearts to God and our actions to God and we give our families to God, what does he bless us with? He blesses us with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. You know why? Those things don't come from the world. You know how I know those things don't come from the world? Because I have seen people with tens of millions of dollars overdose on drugs, commit suicide. Talk about how miserable their life is. Even in, even in the Bible, Solomon, the most wealthy man in the world, he said it's vanities of vanities and it's vexation. All, all that is. More money, more problems. That's all it is. That's all it means. That's what he gives you. He doesn't bless us with worldly means. He blesses us with spiritual means. And the spies failed because they focused on the complications. Now let's look in chapter 14 of Numbers. Let's see what happens here. Start with the first 10 verses. He says, And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron and the whole congregation and said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would God we had died in this wilderness? We'd be better off dead. And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes, tore their clothes, a sign of mourning. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us, their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us, fear them not. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. We don't want to hear it. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. The spies failed because they focused on the complications. The people failed because they listened to the negative reports rather than trusting God. They listened to negativity and they reacted with fear. You understand that? Do I have to spell this out for you? We got a lot of Christians. All they do is sit at home and watch TV. And they get fed negativity all day. All day. All day, negativity. The world's going to, the economy's going to collapse. The church is going to collapse. Coronavirus is going to kill you. It's all the government's coming to get you. They're going to take everything you own. 
Seriously, that's, I, I hear it. And that's what they listen to all day. And guess what they get? Fear. Because guess what? They spend hour after hour after hour after hour feeding themselves negativity, and they never pick up the Bible and look at the promises of God. Never once. They don't look at what God has promised. Just like when uh, Joshua and Caleb said, listen, the land is good. God's promised to give it to us. What, did, what was their reaction? Shut up or we'll stone you. I want to hear that trash. We've made our decision. Why? Because they chose fear over faith. Verses 2 through 4, they literally said, we'd be better back in Egypt. You understand in the Bible, Egypt is a picture of the world. We got too many churches. They're trying to blend in with the world. We got too many churches. They say, listen, we'll, we'll, we, just, we just want to feed in with the world. We're better off. You see, if we stand up for God, the world's not going to like us. It's going to be hard. We're going to have problems. There's going to be walls. There's going to be giants. We don't want that, so we'll just, we'll just go back to the world. We'll go back to Egypt. And we'll find us a leader who will take us to Egypt. If we don't like the preacher, we'll kick him out till we find one we like. That's what we'll do. That's, that, listen, that was their attitude. We're going to find us a leader who gives us what we want. You see that over and over again. The Israelites, whenever it was time for, uh, for Saul, they wanted a king. We want to find a leader that's going to give us what we want. We don't want to follow God no more. We want a king. Too many Christians, and I'm talking about Christians who go to church two or three times a week. They're looking for somebody to give them what they want. They're willing to take on a little bit of, as long as it's not too hard on me. I, I'm willing to do a little bit of this Christian stuff until it starts to inconvenience. Then we have a problem. That's, that's a lot of American Christians, I'm just telling you. And that's how the Jews were. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They didn't want to stand up. They didn't want to stand up for the truth. They wanted to go back and have what they had. They didn't care that what they had was suffering. They didn't remember what, that what they had was slavery. In their minds, oh yeah, the world was, Egypt was great. Like seriously? Do you, do you remember Egypt? Like that, that doesn't make any sense that you'd want to go back to Egypt. But there are a lot of Christians, they're like, oh no, no, the, what the world gives us is okay. Have you lost your mind? Do you remember what sin was like? Do you remember what life was like before you gave your heart to Jesus? Is that really what you want to go back to? But that's what they're going for. Give us, just, let's just give us back. Give us what we want. God can't bless us when we turn our back on him. If you go to the world for temporary satisfaction, it takes you away from God. You understand the world offers temporary satisfaction while God offers eternal blessings. There is a big difference. Big difference between temporary satisfaction and eternal blessings. And there are too many, because we live in a microwave, high-speed society. We want what we want, and we want it now. That's it. Listen, those of you who have children, you can have the best internet. Listen, I have... A fiber cable going to my house over here. That's, that's the fastest cable. That's the fastest internet you can get in Rinkin, Georgia. I'm just letting you know. And because they ran a fiber for the church, I convinced them to run a fiber to the house. It was awesome. 
But we still complain. God, come on. What is taking so long? I'm, and like at least we're not buffering in the middle, but it don't pop up right when we want it to pop up. We, we complain about every little thing. We listen to negativity. This world has nothing to offer. Their reaction to the truth was they wanted to pick him up and pick up stones and kill him. We don't want to hear, you. We don't want to hear the truth. We don't want to hear that. You go and you look at um, Stephen when he was stoned to death. Right? It says, as he, as he spoke, Father, forgive them. I look up and I see the Son. It says, they stopped their ears and cried. That's what the King James. You know, you, you know what that means? It means they went, la, 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 la. That's what it means. You go back and read the story of Stephen. It says, they stopped their ears and cried. Right, we don't want to, I, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Don't, have you ever done that with your children? Mama, mama, ah, it's my, not my name. Not my name. I don't want to hear it. Right? We want, no, no, I'm done. Change my name. We're not doing that no more. That's what they, listen, the world doesn't want to hear the truth. Because the truth is inconvenient. The truth is hard. And we are in a society that likes things the easy way. Two things I want you to understand here. As we talk about the people's failures, constantly taking negativity and never going to the promises of God. First of all, the majority is not always right. I want you to understand that. The majority is not always right. Especially when it comes to spiritual things. You go back in the Bible, you look at Noah. Everyone in the world had turned their back from God. Except Noah and his family. You go to Abraham and Lot. He's in an area. I mean, you've got cities so sinful, everyone there, God has to destroy. God can't find ten good men inside of these cities. And God has to destroy it. The majority was not correct, was not right. And we think, oh, but look at these places and all these people believe this and all these people think this. And, you know, this this lifestyle is just so accepted now. And these things are just so accepted now that the majority is not always right. Listen, I'll just go and tell you, just because the world accepts something doesn't make it truth. That's just the way it is. The majority is not always right. And I want you to understand this. When you stand up for God, there will be people who don't like it. I don't care. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, where you are in your life. If you are a a kid in high school or in junior high and you go and you stand up, you say, I'm not going there because I don't go to places where there's alcohol. I'm not doing those things, especially you get a little bit older. You get up in that 16 Get on the ball team and all the ball, all the boys are going here. And you stand up and say, sorry, I can't. I'm not doing that. Listen, people ain't going to like it. They're not going to like it. You as an adult, you're in your workplace. People are telling dirty jokes. People are cussing. People are, and you say, hey guys, listen. Y'all do your, I'd rather you didn't do that around me. People ain't going to like that. They're not going to like it. When you stand up and say, hey, listen, I believe marriage is a man and a woman and God sanctified that and we need to bring the sanctity of marriage back not only in the world but also in the church because even in the churches about 60% of marriages end up in divorce. We need to bring that back. We need to bring the sanctity of marriage back. People don't like that. Mm -mm. You stand up and say, hey, listen, I'm not trying to be mean to you, but 
I don't believe abortion is right. I, I believe that baby is a life, and I believe God cares about that baby, and we need to take care of that baby in the womb, and we need to take care of him after he's born, if that means adoption or whatever. People ain't going to like that. That, that. that is not going to be accepted. You, there are people who will fist fight you over that stuff. I, I'm not talking about people just... There are people who will get violent when you say this kind of stuff. But we have to stand up for the truth. And just because the majority believe it doesn't make it right. And people will not like it when you stand up for the truth. Now, you can imagine verse 10. I have a vivid imagination. I think about things. I imagine them having this conversation. You know, we want to go back to Egypt. Can you imagine this is millions of people. We want to go back to Egypt. We, we can't. We, sh- we shouldn't be here. We need to get rid of Moses and Aaron. We, these jokers telling us to go. We just need to stone them and leave them out here in the wilderness. And all of a sudden, the glory of the God appears in the midst of them. You understand what the glory of God, when the, in the Old Testament, the glory of God, when it appeared, it appeared as a smoke, as a fog. Can you imagine? We're having a church fight, and all of a sudden, fog comes in the room. Oh, man, that might get your attention. Yeah, that might get your attention, right? I mean, I just think about, imagine these people, they're picking up stones. We're sick of Moses. We're sick of Aaron. These two jokers, they don't speak for me. And all of a sudden, the presence of God fills the room. Verse 11, let's pick up. Read the rest of the story. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? How long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I have showed among them? This is the conversations I have with Moses. How long am I going to have to put up with these jokers? How many miracles do I have to do? What, what do I have to do to get them to pay attention and believe and do what I tell them to do? Verse 12, I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them and will make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. He says, tell you what, Moses, I'm done with them. I'm going to kill them all. Me and you will start over. Whew, that's pretty rough. Verse 13, and Moses said unto the Lord, then the Egyptians shall hear it. For thou broughtest up this people in thy might from among them, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. For they have heard that thou, Lord, art among this people, that thou, Lord, art seen face to face, and that thy cloud standeth over them, and that thou goest before them by day and time in a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire by night. Now if thou shalt kill all this people as one man, then the nations which have heard the fame of thee will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land which he sware unto them, therefore he, he hath slain them in the wilderness and now I beseech thee I beg you let the power of my Lord be great according as thou hast spoken saying the Lord is long suffering and of great mercy forgiving iniquity and transgression and by no means clearing the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation pardon I beseech thee that word means beg pardon I beg thee the iniquity of this people according unto the greatness of thy mercy. And as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt, even until now. He says, God, if you do that, everyone's going to say, their God was strong enough to take them out of Egypt, but he wasn't strong enough to take them into the promised land. He says, now I'm, I'm begging you. You said you're forgiving. You said you're patient. You said you're kind. You said you're loving. And I know that you don't clear the guilty but you do forgive. He says, I beg you not to do this. And the Lord said, verse 20, I have pardoned according to thy word. 
And as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land wherein he went and his seed shall possess it. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwelt in the valley. Tomorrow turn you and get you into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel which they murmur against me, saying to them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me. Doubtless you shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun. But your little ones, which she said should be a prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which ye have despised. But as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in the wilderness." And your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years and bear your whoredoms until the carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. After the number of the days in which ye search the land, even forty days, each day for a year shall ye bear your iniquities, even forty years, and ye shall know my breach of promise. I, the Lord, have said I will surely do it unto all this evil congregation that are gathered together against me in this wilderness. They shall be consumed, and there they shall die. And the men which Moses sent to search the land, who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him by bringing up a slander upon the land, even those men that did bring up the evil report upon land, died by the plague before the Lord. Those ten spies dropped dead right there. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb... The son of Jephunneh, which were of the men that went to search the land, lived still. And Moses told these sayings unto all the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. They received punishment from God for their unbelief and their desire to go back into the world. I want you to understand this. God is patient. God is long-suffering. God is kind. God is loving. But he eventually punishes disobedience. You see it throughout Scripture. He eventually punishes disobedience. People think they can get away with sin. People think that our country will continue to be blessed no matter how wicked it gets. But I promise you, through the Scriptures, you see God punishes sin. A lot of people didn't realize the Jews reached the promised land in just a matter of months. That 40 years was a punishment. Not a single person with the exception of Caleb and Joshua who was 20 years and older lasted to go into the promised land. He made them wander for 40 years. God cannot bless disobedience. But he blesses us when we obey with the fruit of the Spirit which I talked about earlier. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. These things that God blesses us with it's amazing to me and I I talk to people and I know people and I've dealt with people and they try to convince you that they are these super Christians they got an S on their chest super Christian that's me and yet when you spend time with them 
When you hear their conversation, when you see their lives, you realize not a single one of these fruits of the Spirit are in their life. You don't ever see love. You don't ever see joy. You don't ever see peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. You don't ever see those things in their life. And i just go ahead and tell you, if you're sitting here and you've convinced yourself that you're some great Christian, why don't you take a minute and say, all right, where do I see love, the true love of God in my life? Where do I see joy? Where do I see peace? Where do I see long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temper? Where do I see these things in my life? Because i just go ahead and tell you, if you don't, it might be time for you and God to have a conversation. I'm not trying to beat up on you. I'm just telling you, you can convince everybody in the world. You can make Facebook posts about how much you love Jesus. You can go to every gospel sing. You can go to every tent revival. You can go to every church service. But if you don't have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, you're just, you're just convincing people of something you're not. We have to have these things. And God blesses us with these things when we obey his word, when we do the things that God has called us to do. If you want an interesting Bible study, it's been a while since I did it. And I told the teens we'll probably do it before long. Look up in the Bible where it explicitly says things are the will of God. Phrases like, it is the will of God that ye. There are several things that the Bible says. There's times when the Bible uses the phrase, for this is the will of God. It is God's will that... And there are many things. It's God's will that you're thankful. It's God's will that you read his word. It's God's will that you pray. It's God's will that you flee fornication. It's God's will that you flee from sin. It's God's will that you put on the whole armor of God. There's so many things that are God's will, and yet we don't do any of those things on a daily basis. And we like to convince people that we're these good Christians. They receive punishment because of their unbelief. And their desire to go back to the world. Joshua and Caleb receive a special reward. We see it here. But we're also going to look at a couple more verses. Numbers 26. I want you to see the blessings of Joshua and Caleb. Of course we know Joshua eventually takes the mantle after Moses dies. And he leads the people into the promised land. Numbers 26 verse 65. He says, For the Lord had said of them, They shall surely die in the wilderness. And there was not left a man of them. No one, not a single person, except save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. And ultimately, Caleb receives his reward in the book of Joshua, chapter 14. Starting in verse 6, 6 through 14, he says this. He says, Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenazite, and said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. So Caleb was forty years old when he was sent in as a spy. He came back and said, Let's do it. We can do it. Let's take it. God's promised it. Verse 8, Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God, and Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive. As he said, these forty and five years, forty years in the wilderness, five years in the Joshua campaign, even since the Lord spake 
this word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five. He's 85 years old. Verse 11. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. How awesome would that be, guys? At 85, you still got the same vigor, the same energy, the same strength as you had at 40. Right? I hear, I hear, I hear the talk, man. I just, I can't, can't bend like I used to bend. I can't go like I used to go. Yeah. He said, listen, the same strength I had at 40, I got now. God's blessed me. He says, now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord had said. He said, hey, God, Moses said I could have all the land that I walked on and I walked on that mountain. Remember the one with the giants? The one with the big cities with walls? Well, they're still there. But if you give me permission, I'll go kick them out. Listen, that is awesome. Are you kidding me? At 85, this is all those people, uh, you know, a million or so Jews, they were all worried about this mountain because they've got the high ground and they're big and they're strong and they've got walled cities and that's what they were worried about. But I'm telling you, at 85 right now, you give, you give me the go. You give me the green. You tell me we're done with all this other stuff, I'll go take that mountain. Listen, that is awesome. I think you take that mountain. That's a whole series right there. Right? God, why? Because Caleb believed the word of God. And nothing could convince him otherwise. That's what it was. God said it. Just like Pastor Joe says. God said it, that settles it. And I'm going to believe it. That, That was Caleb's attitude. It didn't matter how many people told him he was crazy. It didn't matter how many people told him 85 is too old for you to be going off to war. He didn't care. He said, you know what? God promised me that mountain. I'm going. I'm taking it. Because in Caleb's mind, all I got to do is walk up there and God will take care of it. You know, I, I don't know how he's going to do it yet, but maybe he'll do an earthquake and I'll, have to, I'll just walk up there and take what's mine. He didn't know. All he knew was God promised it. It was going to happen. Listen, there are people in this world, uh, they say stuff, they say they're going to do stuff. I take it with a grain of salt, right? They don't ever keep their word. Then there are people in this world, if they tell me they're going to do something, you can almost take it to the bank. Sometimes stuff happens, but they're, one, they're those people, they're going to take it to the bank. Listen, if God said it, you can take it to the bank. And don't settle for anything less than what God has promised. I can go ahead and tell you, my dad's here today. If I was going to Valdosta, and I told Dad, I'm going to be at Valdosta Friday at 5. And he said, you know what? I'm going to go get some good steaks. We're going to grill some steaks. It's going to be good. I said, all right, Friday at 5, I'm eating steak. And then about 4.30 on the way to Valdosta, my kids say, I'm hungry. Let's stop at McDonald's. You have lost your mind if you think I'm eating a McDonald's burger. <laughs> when I got steak waiting on me. Now, now, have I seen the steak? No. Have I smelled the steak? No, but dad said there was going to be steak, and if he ain't got them cooked, he's at least going to go, he'll take me to Texas Roadhouse, because he promised me we were going to have steak. But I ain't going to eat a cheeseburger from McDonald's knowing there's steak waiting on me. Let me go ahead and tell you, God's promised a steak, and too many Christians are content eating cheeseburgers here on the, on the, on the world. I'll go ahead and tell you, they're content taking the little bit of satisfaction they can get here on the world, on the earth, and they're neglecting all the things that God has promised. 
I'm just going to tell you, nothing in this world compares to what God can bless us with. And if we will have the faith of Caleb, not promising you you'll be rich, not promising you you'll be just as strong as 85 that you were at 40. That's not what God has promised, but God has made so many promises in his word, and he always keeps his promise. And we have to be faithful in obedience. The first step in faith in obedience is salvation. We saw if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When Moses begged for forgiveness because of the sins of the people, he forgave them on Moses' behalf because of his repentance, because he asked for forgiveness. If we come to Christ, he will forgive us. And if we obey Christ, we don't do good things. We don't obey his word because we're trying to earn salvation. We do those things because God has blessed us so much and we want to show our love for him. Let's bow our heads and pray. I'm going to close in prayer and then I'm going to let Pastor Joe come up and do the invitation. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day and I thank you for all that you've given us. I thank you for all that you've blessed us with. Lord, I pray that you'll help us. Help us not to get so focused on the problems. Help us not to get so full of negativity that we forget the blessings and the promises of God. Help us to trust you. Help us to obey you. And Lord, I pray that you'll forgive our sins. Lord, I pray that you'll continue to be long-suffering. I know that you are a just God and a holy God, and that means punishment has to come eventually. But we pray for your patience and your long-suffering, and I pray that you'll help us to be a light, help us to be salt, help us to see revival in our church and in our communities, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, heads bowed and eyes closed. You can stand as they play. Head bowed, eyes closed this morning. Maybe you're here and you're not saved. You've never placed your faith and trust in Christ. And I tell you this morning, Jesus loves you. What a great message. Thank you, Brother Forrest, for that message. Let's focus this morning on the promises of God, not the problems of the world. If you need to be saved, I'll tell you, we can show you out of the Word of God how you can know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die. Let's stand together, head bowed, eyes closed, instruments playing this morning, a hymn invitation. Can I invite you to come? Maybe there's some situations or circumstances that you're facing uh, right now in your life. God never promised things would be easy, but He promised He'd be with us every step of the way. If you need to come, for whatever reason, as the instruments play this morning, you come.